no greater name. No greater name. Lord, your word declared that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord, we are bowing now and we are confessing now that you are Lord. We realize there is no greater name. So we come before your throne, oh God. We bow in humble submission and we ask, Lord God, that you would just continue to pour into us, to teach us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us, Lord God. For we want want to find your will. Lord, with all this that's going on, Lord God, the only thing that matters is you, Lord. For if we get this right, then everything else will take care of itself. So, Lord, open up your word to us today, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to receive from you today, Lord God. Let let your word be proclaimed clearly, specifically, directly into the hearts and minds of your people, Lord. For it is only your words that will make a difference. Lord, a man has nothing to say, but you have something to say, oh God. So get the man out of the way so that you can have your way. And we thank you for what you're going to do, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a good God. You know, I've... You know, I, I was telling Devon, I'm, I'm saying Devon instead of Elder because I, I was talking to my daughter when I was saying it, <laughs> that it's, it's a shame that some things have become bumper stickers. Because when you say God is good and all the time, it's like, that's so true. But it's become a thing, so now it's just something that people say. <laughs> There's a couple of things that happen, and it's like the devil is a liar. But once Hollywood got hold of it, (laughs) people say it like it's a joke. The devil's a lie. Devil's a lie. Devil's a lie. It's like, okay, stop making a joke because the devil is a liar. (laughs) And he be telling stuff all the time to get us off track. And he's constant with the lies too. But it's become a a joke on Hollywood, so it's kind of hard. You know, when you say the devil's a liar, people are like, yeah, the devil's a liar. It's like, okay, stop playing. I'm serious. <laughs> the, 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 the devil is actually a liar. So we can't keep listening to what he has to say. And what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? T-shirts, hats, banners. What would Jesus do? It's like I'm so upset with those bumper stickers because we really do need to ask, what would Jesus do? I mean, it's a serious question, but it's become a bumper sticker now. So nobody takes it seriously. So I'm just, I was just venting to my daughter when I was like, because we do need to ask, what would Jesus do? What would he do? And would he do what you're doing? If he wouldn't do what you're doing, then you need to stop what you're doing. (laughs) Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. So... In continuing in this theme that I can't seem to get away with, and I think this is what the Lord was saying, because our deacon Diana preached that our relationship with God matters. Then our pastor Darren said that people perish without knowledge. So it's like our relationship with God matters because people won't know unless we're the ones that's telling them. So people are dying because we're not taking our relationship with God seriously. So we, 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 so we got to do better than that. Yes, yes. Then our, Sister Marie 
was speaking at prayer, our exhortation at prayer, she was talking about God is separating the called and the chosen. So he, he's, so it's like, okay, we, we just can't get away from this idea. And I'm telling you, this study of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount is foundational for me. It's, it's like I've heard, I heard Jesus in a way that I didn't hear him before. We hear the love, we hear the expectations, we hear what he wants from us. But then, as we studied it this time, the thing that stuck out in my mind, he was very clear, is like, not everybody going to make it. Not, not everyone's going to make it. And how you make it is by doing what I say. And just because you're saying, Lord, Lord, that don't really mean nothing. And you can do your miracles, and you can cast out demons, you can do all that great stuff. But if I don't know you... It doesn't add up to anything. So hear what I'm saying and build your house on what I'm saying. Because if you build your house on the things that I'm telling you, then it's like the one that built their house upon a rock. But if you don't build your house on the things that I say, then it's like building your house on the sand. So when the storms come, and can I see the hands of everybody know that storms come? Okay, amen. Hallelujah. Because if you're alive, you know storms come. So when the storms come, if you're on the sand, it's going to be destroyed. If you're on the rock, you will survive. I don't know why the idea of there's a broad road and a wide gate that leads to destruction and everybody on that one. But there's a narrow road and a small gate that leads to light. And it's not that many people that's going to find that. Now, now let's be clear. As, as the, the one whom God has given the responsibility for this assembly, it is my responsibility to make sure that you know that which road you want. So, so don't be upset when I start saying that ain't the road. Don't be upset when I said that's not what it said. The pastor, tell us some good stuff. I'm trying. I'm trying to tell you good stuff. (laughs) So turn, turn please, to Revelation, the third chapter. Now, Jesus sent a message to seven churches through an angel to the apostle Paul, who wrote down what he saw. That is the book of the Revelation. An angel got the message from Jesus, and he told it to Paul. Now, before we get to the end time events, which is what most folk concentrate on, Jesus speaks to churches about their individual relationships with him. You you see what I'm saying? The, The... We can't get away from this, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus stuff. We can't get away from it. But somehow, it's just going over a lot of folks' heads. But we got to have an individual. Before the end times, he talked to the churches about their individual relationships with him. Now, Laodicea is the last of the seven churches that he spoke to. So we're going to pick up chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. 
I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To one who is victorious, I will give the, right, give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, the churches in, that's mentioned in the book of Revelation are actual churches that existed in history. And the angel that was spoken to was probably the pastor. So that there was a letter that was sent to the pastor about the church that they were actually over. Now, all the other churches, Jesus had something good to say before he rebuked them. The Laodicean church, he went right in. There there was nothing that he said that they, they did good that he acknowledged before he told them what his problem was with them. Now, These churches are often compared to different church ages since they were historical churches, but actually different periods in the development of the church. But it's also compared to us as individuals because we comprise the church. I think that we're kind of dealing with the Laodicean era right now. And a lot of us have become a little Laodicean in our relationship with lawyers. This church age is struggling with individual believers keeping Christ at the center of their lives. The church values power and influence, getting our own way more than the relationship with Jesus. Now, okay, let me just make that clear for those that may not understand where I'm going with this. Not every church, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying every pastor, not every congregation, but the universal church, the way that is presented to the world is a church that's more concerned about power and influence. It's about trying to make people do what they want them to do rather than a relationship with Jesus. Now, the entire church model that which which has been used as the idea of what success looks like over the last 25, 30 years, about 10, 15 years ago, they realized it wasn't working. And what are you saying, Pastor? Because if only thing that you're concerned about is how many people you can get to come to your church without actually pouring into the people what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you've lost your way. Like the, the church in Laodicea, they, they was rich and industrious. They had the money and they had a lot going on. Sound familiar? I'm talking about the face of the church now. Not individual churches because I know that there's individual churches that love the Lord. And every, 
everything they do is about Jesus. That's a fact. But you don't usually see them on TV. <laughs> Since the pandemic, you could probably catch them on YouTube or something like Facebook or something. But, but, but you're just not going to see them on TV because TV is expensive. <laughs> the church, like, as long as we have what we need, long as stuff is coming in, long as... <laughs> Okay, we don't need Jesus. As long as, all, long as all those other things is happening, we don't really need Jesus that much. Jesus is just something we sell. We, we, don't, we don't really, like, deny Jesus. He's just not the air that we breathe. Jesus said they were lukewarm, neither cold or hot. Now, the, the city of Laodicea had aqueducts. So people knew about this stale water that just kind of sat underneath the city. So when he referred to the lukewarm, they knew very well what he was talking about. That ain't the water you just going to dip and drink. But let's break this down. He said cold or hot. Now, hot is easy to understand why he would prefer for us to be hot. That's passionate. That's involved. That's, that's doing something where people actually can see that it matters. See, because you can't say that something is hot. Just like, ooh, it's, that's hot. It's like, you know it's hot because you touched it and felt something. <laughs> you know, and then what's, what's, what's what everybody say now when something is good that is fire? Yeah. It's fire. <laughs> Everything good is fire now. It's fire. That's fire. It's like, you had some ice cream. It was fire. So it's clear why Jesus would say, I would wish that you were hot, because that means you're active. You're out there. People know when somebody touch you, there's a reaction. But why would he say would it rather to be cold? If you're not going to be hot, then be cold rather than be lukewarm. What is the cold? Cold is no interest, non-reactive. But this is why. Because when something is cold, when someone is cold, they're not fooling themselves. They made a decision. I'm just going to do what I want to do. They're not using Jesus as an accessory or a cover up. See, when when someone is cold, it's like they're not making excuses for their sin. It's like, well, yeah, that's what I do. (laughs) But when a person is in that place, they're in a position to be confronted by truth. So if you cold then we can start the discussion at the truth. How that working out for you? But if you're not hot and you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Pretty much useless. And the definition of the word lukewarm there, one of them is a spiritually useless. Something that's lukewarm doesn't quench your thirst nor does it warm your insides. You have a knowledge of spiritual things, but the heart is not involved. When something is lukewarm, it's just stale, just sitting. And and we talked about this last week. I'll follow you, but. I'll follow you when. Or here, I love this one. Jesus knows my heart. That's a a nice hiding place for the lukewarm. 
Because you ain't really involved in nothing. You ain't really trying to do nothing. And if someone says something to you, but Jesus knows my heart. See, at least if you're cold and someone says something, it's like, yeah, I know. That's, that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that, that's where I'm at. And you can deal with someone who's saying that's where I'm at. But the person that's like, oh, no, Jesus knows my heart. Don't judge me. Well, I'm judging you right now. I'm, I'm judging you right now. And it's like, pastor, the Bible says not to judge. You need to go come to Bible study. I'll help you understand. I'm judging because I am drawing a distinction between hot and cold. I'm drawing a distinction about what the Bible says and what we're actually doing. I'm judging because I am saying that this is not lining up with that. And according to what the Bible says, that is part of the keys of the kingdom. Because whatever I declared here on earth is declared as it already is in heaven. And I'm using that according to my understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Read the text. So for those that got a problem with me judging, it's like, no, no, Jesus said you need to judge some situations. Jesus said you need to draw a distinction and that whatever you bind on earth is bound as it already is in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is loose. Not that I determine what's happening in heaven, but I can also, I most certainly can proclaim that that is not consistent with what Jesus said we're supposed to do. For those that didn't understand, the leaders of the church actually have that authority. Read the text. Better yet, come to Bible study. I'll help you understand. <laughs> Did I say come to Bible study? <laughs> but this Laodicean church at some time knew about, of course it was a church, so they knew something about Jesus. They knew something about the gospel. They knew something about what God wanted from them. But at some point, they got stale. At some point, they didn't deny who Christ was. They just weren't doing anything for the kingdom of God. So how did they get there? Verse 17 tells us, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They had lots of money and lots of stuff going on. So they fell into the deception of wealth. Now, let's not, let's, let's not fool ourselves. Money makes it easy to handle everyday situations. You don't have to worry about um, um, your car being fixed when you got money. Either fix the car or get a new one. <laughs> Drive it in, have them come pick it up. I don't want this one no more. Give me another one. When you have money. As opposed to, how much this is going to cost me? <laughs> you have your friend come over, you drive it to the dealer, and it's like, oh, how much this is going to cost me? <laughs> how much that? Mr. Jack, you got time? <laughs> You're not calling people over because you've you got money. So it makes it easy to think that you're in control. I can fix it. All I got to do is just throw some money at it. It's easy to forget that we need God because we evaluate everything according to our own needs and our own power. See, when you have the wealth, when you have the wealth, and anybody that, that doesn't understand this probably have always been broke. <laughs> but if you have some money, it's real easy to depend on your money more than God. Real easy. Because it, I have the money. I don't need to pray about it. 
I don't need to take a minute and see what God is selling me here. If I have the money, I don't need to worry about those things. And, and you know what? And you have the, when you already have the money, then it's, sometimes it's hard to remember that God gave it to you. See, if you don't have it and you got to pray for it and then you get it, <laughs> you're like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, I'm giving my testimony. Look at my God and look at how he works. <laughs> but that's because you didn't have it. And then he had to give it to you. And then you remember to say thank you. But if you already have it, you just push some buttons, put stick your card in, whatever. This is the thing, though. Money can make things easier, but it can never replace God. Let me say that again. Money might make it easier, but money can never replace God. God. It's better to be broke with God than to be rich without God. And I know some of you are saying, no, 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 Pastor. Can't we just have something in between? Can't we be rich with God? Can we can we have or can we have a lot of God and just not broke? How about that? It's like, I know it's real. It's like, y'all, it's alright. I already know. I already know. Don't worry about it. This is the thing, though. You got to remember who's, which one are you going to serve? Because when you have the money, it's a lot easier to focus your attention on keeping the money. And you forget that God allowed you to get the money. God allows you to keep the money. And God allows you to have money without blowing yourself up. See, Dr. A.R. Bernard said something. Well, he says a lot of profound things, but he said that money is an amplifier. And if you think about that, the more money a person has, the louder and bigger their expressions. And everybody can hear and see. Because there's some people that's famous just because they have money. Everything that they do is on the internet just because they have money. There's some people that say a lot of stuff and it's like, that's just dumb. But because they have money, then it's announced to the world. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That's my grandbaby right there. (laughs) The the message says it this way. You brag I'm rich. I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious that, in fact, you're a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. See, money is the, is the, the deception But you know, the real issue is about power and control. Because that's what the money is all about. It's about having the money is about power and control. I want to be in charge of my life. I want to be in charge of the things that happen. This is something that God brought me back to. That is the basis behind the original sin. Eve saw this and saw that it looked good and it was something that would make her wise. Because the devil had told her that as if you eat of it, God knows that you will become like him, that you will know good and evil. As if having the burden of good and evil was a good thing. But that was the lie that he told, because the devil is a liar. (laughs) So he told her that, she fell for it, and then she made the sin of choosing that I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way. Now people complain, and hear this, people complain. How come I got to suffer because of what Adam and Eve did? Do you realize that we still 
commit the same sin? We're still committing the same sin. So you won't be mad at Adam and Eve because they decided that they wanted to do things their way instead of God's way. And it's like, huh, hold up a mirror. Which one of us aren't struggling with exactly that same thing? And it's like, oh, it's only because of the sin nature and it's their fault. No, it was their ability to choose and you still had that too. And especially all the church folk, especially the five baptized speaking in tongues, rolling around on the floor, church folk. If, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then for you to act like I don't have no choice, it just happens to me. It's like, what? No. You have the power, the dunamis within you to be able to do exactly what God said to do. So why don't we? Because we just as bad as Adam and Eve. That's why. <laughs> we got the power to do right and we still choose to do wrong. Why? Because we just as bad as Adam and Eve. No, pastor, if it was me, I wouldn't have. Stop lying to yourself. Isn't it obvious that we as human beings needed to go through this process in order to become what God wants us to be? Because you had one perfect man, one perfect woman, in a perfect environment, in a perfect relationship with God. They loved their jobs. They loved each other. They loved God. They'd ha- and as soon as there was an influence that made them challenge that, they messed up. Because they only had one rule. Amen! Hallelujah. They had one rule. One. One, one, and all it was is don't eat that fruit. (laughs) It's like there's a garden full of fruit. So the one fruit you're not supposed to eat, this is who we are. So to act like it wouldn't have happened to you is with the power of the Holy Ghost, we still messing up. So that's pretty much proof. We want to be in control. And the one and be in control is what makes us end up wretched and pitiful, which means miserable and afflicted, enduring toils and troubles. So they didn't even know they was wretched. They let their money, they liked their busyness, the stuff that they was doing, they let that get in the way that they didn't even know that they was wretched. When you're looking from the outside, you can see that they wretched, but they themselves did not know that they was wretched. This is what we were talking about before, where people can get into a state where they are deceived that they no longer can understand that they actually have a problem. They didn't know that they was poor because their money thought made them think they was rich. If you, if, you, if you know some rich folk, you can realize that they poor and they don't even know that they poor. They, 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 the money makes them think that I can buy whatever I want so I can have whatever I want. But what you're buying is nothing. The stuff that you have doesn't add up to anything. That's why you got to keep getting another one and another one and another one and another one. Because it actually has no lasting value. It means something for the moment, but just for the moment. They are blind. This is what we're seeing now. The minds are in darkness. They actually can't see it. Because those that can see are looking at them and saying, are you serious? 
For real? Some of the stuff that I'm hearing that's coming out of the mouths of people who are proclaiming to be Christians is like, are you serious? You cannot see that that is completely and absolutely contrary to what Jesus would do? You can't see that? It's like, no. No. I mean, like, legitimately, no. They can't see it. They have a world that exists only in their heads. So they don't see anything. It's just what exists in here. So their eyes can be closed, but they think they have an understanding because it only exists in their head. It's a a world where alternative facts make sense. They don't know that they are naked without covering. When we've allowed the deceptions of the world to take over, when you're talking about being naked, that means there's nothing between you and the elemental forces of the world. Everything that the world is throwing at you, you're getting hit with. Everything that's happening around is affecting you. When you have no covering, then whatever the temperature is, that's what you're responding to. You have nothing, no buffer between you and what's happening around you. So you are changed and moved and affected by whatever else is going on around you. Doesn't that sound like the church now? Because a lot of what I'm saying is like, How do you not know that that's wrong? How do you know that's not wrong? You you can't make a gain unjustly and think God's going to bless it. That's not how that works. Read the book. Read the book. God's people were judged by the same thing that he judged the other nations of. We have to act justly, righteously. We have to. We have to act with love and compassion and understanding. We have to act in truth to his word. We have to worship God the way that God said that he want to be worshipped, not what the world would say it makes it easy. Help us, Jesus. When when people are naked, and I I saw this, it's like feelings and thoughts and action are full display for everybody to see. See, the church in Laodicea, They had gotten stale. They were not passionate about Christ anymore at all. It showed. It showed. They didn't even realize they was naked, but it showed. And I'm looking at the church now. It shows that you don't care about Jesus. It shows. You think it don't show. You think you wear, no, but you are you don't have no idea that you're naked and we can see all your stuff. But because you're wealthy, because you got lots to do, you don't realize people are saying, are you kidding me? You need to cover up. We don't even need to know that much about you. The church is supposed to be the vehicle that expresses the gospel. 
that helps the world to know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And it is by the love of God that we have an opportunity to be saved and to come into his kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be. But because we're in the Laodicean age, now the fact that money and politics and nationalism and racism and every other kind of stuff is what's actually showing. And they don't even know it. They don't even know. You naked. Your covering has been pulled back. We see exactly what you about. We see exactly who you are. Remember at the beginning of this pandemic, I was saying we can't lose our testimony. We can't do stuff that by the time this thing is over, we won't be able to look at people and say, Jesus loves you. If you look at the face of the church now, when this is all over, who are you going to tell Jesus? <laughs> I mean, we can because the people that know us know that we've, we've been loving you the whole time, whether we agree with you or not. We've been loving you the whole time. We've been treating you with justice and fairness the whole time. But the message that is coming from the pulpits on the television, by the time this is over, you're going to turn around and say, but Jesus loves you. Said, man, please. You can't tell me Jesus loved you when you treated me like garbage. You can't tell me Jesus loves you when, when now you are stomped on my heart. And even if I was wrong, you didn't even try to help me get right. You just want to beat me down for being wrong. Don't turn around and tell me Jesus loves you. Your stuff has been uncovered. And, and let, me, let me stop from them and let me get real close again. Before the pandemic, coming to church every Sunday was like, eh, you know, Christians don't do that no more. Now, when I was growing up, if you said you was a Christian, you was in church on Sunday at 11 o'clock. Well, actually, you was there early for Sunday school. So, so like, because <laughs> you, you, you went to Sunday school, then you went to church. Then you, well, in the black church, you had a chicken dinner after church. And then, then, then there was a, there was, what was that meeting called? There was a will and work a meeting, something. There was some meeting in between before night, before night service, before the night service started. And then you was in night service to like 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. So you went from like 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday. And everybody knew that's where you was going to be. Every Sunday. But, but I understand. I understand. I'm old. I'm old. People ain't. That, that's, not, that's not it. But then there still was a time that 11 o'clock on Sunday, everybody knew that that's where the Christians were. If someone said that they were a Christian, that they believe in Jesus, at 11 o'clock on Sunday, that's where they were. Well, before the pandemic, that started to get a little... It started, you know, I was talking to, to someone, you all know who it is, so I'm not going to mention their name. And they said, they said, yeah, they don't come to church every Sunday, and when they do, they act like they're doing you a favor. <laughs> So that's, that's the general attitude. So now after the pandemic, you naked. We see now. You want to act like, oh, well, I wasn't coming to church. Like, no, you didn't want to come to church because you ain't back at church now because you don't want to be. I mean, that, pastor, that's hard. I like, told you it's my job to make sure I tell you the truth. That's, that's my job because when this is all said and done, I got to look the Lord in the face and he's going to. Hold me responsible for what I did. So I have to tell you that if you home now and you don't come to church at all, it's because that's what you want. 
The cover's been pulled off. We are in that Laodicean time. But that's not where it ends. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, thinking we have it all together, that's when we're vulnerable for attack. Knowing that Jesus supplies what we need, that's what secures the victory. This is what Jesus said we need to do. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Now, Jesus said, buy from me. And I'm like, Jesus, buy from me? What? Because, you know, buy? But then you look up the word and you realize the context means to redeem. Because Jesus ain't selling you nothing. If you, if you think about it, he's not selling you nothing. No shipping and handling. <laughs> No 1995 plus shipping and handling. No, none of that. Jesus is not buying anything. So he's saying, redeem from me. Say, I already have this for you. So all you got to do is just come and get it. All you got to do is redeem it. Your salvation is what already has purchased the thing that I have for you. So all you got to do is just come and get it. Come and get real gold. What is really precious. The things that money can't fix for you. The need for rest. The need for peace. A life that has actually real value. Come and redeem that from me. Come and redeem righteousness from me. Those good clothes. The things that cover the shame and the guilt. You don't have to worry about all the stuff that you've done wrong because you know that you are covered in the blood. It might have been a bad thing, but the blood of Jesus Christ makes you righteous. You might be short in this area. You might fall off in this area, but you know that you are covered by the blood. Purchase these things. Redeem this thing from me. Your money can't fix that for you. The money can't make you righteous. The money can't make you feel better on the inside. It's only external things. If you're going to get it, get it from Jesus. You can actually get medicine for your eyes. I can't see anymore, but if I come to Jesus, he will put some medicine on my eyes so that my eyes will be open. I can see what's true. I can see what's right. I can see what God wants, but Jesus does that Jesus didn't leave the church in Laodicea even though he came right at them but he said I stand at the door and knock and if you open up the door I will come in and sup with you so he's knocking on the door all you gotta do is let him in and everything that you actually need he has it for you so, so this is my conclusion don't buy it, redeem it. Don't buy it, redeem it. Don't buy what the world is selling. Don't go by with all this nonsense you're seeing on the outside. The hostility, the anger, the having to be right, the injustices. Don't buy any of that stuff. That is not the thing that God wants from us. But we need to redeem from the Lord. 
Stop buying this nonsense that the world is spreading. Stop buying this nonsense that the church has to be powerful and influenced and political in order to make a difference in the world. Stop buying that because what's going to change the world is when people's hearts is changed. And what changes people's hearts is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we got to spread the gospel, the good news of Christ, the fact that God loves us and sent his son to redeem us, to die on the cross for our sins. That's what we've got to spread. Stop buying that stuff. Redeem what you know from the Lord. Because he said that if you get this right, you get to sit on a throne with me. Just the way that I sat on the throne with my father. The rewards for this are eternal. So that he that have ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.